0: Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Corey Jason here, back again. Took last week off, but I'm here and I'm ready to go for some September baseball. John Pauline here with me. And John, how was it without me last week? I know my presence is uh, always warm and endearing.
1: We, we we got through it. We we had the, you know, middle of some justice, but we were able to make make it through without you. It was hard though. It was difficult. Oh, I'm sure it was hard. We missed you. I, I wouldn't as have we a... always do, of course, and we miss Dylan too.
0: Oh, always missing Dylan. I'm glad you and Ben were able to hold down the fort. Holiday weekend, just a long week, lots of stuff to get done. Once you get into you know the September, you have know, NFL season, college football, people's schedules start to take a different shape, and you know what? Sometimes you can't make everything work. But you know, I'm glad I'm back here today for this one. But let's get right to it. Ronald Acuna Jr., John, he just has 36th home run at the time of recording this, along with having 65 steals. 40-40 seems like is a foregone conclusion. And honestly, 40-70 seems like it's just, you know, right there for the taking, should be fairly easy to get. And that would be the first 40-70 season in history, I believe. What do you think his ceiling is, not just for this year, but also just next year too, because he's somebody who this rule change has really greatly affected where the shorter base paths, because you large in the
1: bases, he's able to seal more. What could his ceiling be? You know, it's hard to say, because I think this is like, this is obviously the first season with the rule changes and I'm not sure teams and pitchers have fully adjusted to these rule changes. So, I mean, for all we know, his know, ce- ce- this could be his ceiling right here we're seeing, but it also could be more higher. I think this is pro- – I don't think he's going to be able to do this next year. I feel like, you know, what he's doing right now is just something special. I mean, it's not out of the possibility that he does this again next year and, and just many, you know, years to come. But I, I feel like teams and pitchers are going to start to adjust to this stuff and maybe get more of a game plan, you know, together to maybe, you know, you know, slow down him stealing bases and just, you know, players in general slowing down stealing. But, I mean, I think he's probably going to hit the, four, you know, 40-70 easy. I almost, I would almost, you know, bet on that as a thing. But, I mean, I don't know if you're going to see him do this again. I mean, because, I mean, you look at last year when Judge hit all, like, what's all, how many homers did he hit? he hit all the home runs? 62. 60, when Judge hit 62 home runs and it's like, you look, you look so good and you're like, you want to say you can do that again next year and keep going and keep going, but it's like yeah. I don't think people realize like it's like it's hard to do, and they just make some of these players are just so good, they make it look so easy. They make it look so easy, but it's actually so difficult. He was one of them, yeah.
0: I think you're right. I think this is probably his ceiling for this because it's just a perfect storm of health, power, being well protected on such a good team. And then also the ability to steal. Now, 40-70 should be right there. I don't think he'll get to 80 steals on the season, especially if they're in a if they're closing down the pennant race. I don't see a need for them to one run him and risk injury. And two, he should probably be getting some more off days once they clinch the pennant. Because yeah, they probably want to give him some rest. Once they once they clinch the division and they get the one seed they should just rest rest him a little extra make sure he's got fresh legs for october there's no need to and it's not like he's on this historic run like the yankees last year when judge was staring 60 and 60 plus down the barrel they were in a big race but he was chasing something so historic you know the most home runs by a non steroid alleged player in history so that's something that's a big deal obviously the american league home run record too at the time so that's something that they kept him in every day. And that was to the detriment of the team in October too, because you saw he was just gassed by the end and heading into the beginning of the playoffs. So hopefully the Braves take note of that and rest Acuna. But I think you're right. 40-70 is probably the cap of what he can do. But that's not to say he can't have another 40-40, 40-50, 40-60 season. But I just can't imagine 40-80, 50-70 you know, maybe a 50-60, 50-50 season, 50-50 would still be an incredible season, if not more impressive than this.
1: I I just think it's just like a perfect storm, as you were saying this year with all the stuff going on. But, I mean, it's very plausible that he keeps this up. And, it. it, I mean, even the 40-80, I mean, is not out of the question either. Like, you can't completely rule that out. Yeah, you can't. It's just...
0: It's just so incredible what we're seeing him do. Now, just going on to seeing somebody we don't know what they can do, the Cubs are calling up their top prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong. Now, they got him from the Mets for Javier Baez. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does because the Cubs, they're still in a playoff race here. They got stuff to do. And quite frankly, you're just throwing them into the fire. As we stand right now, the Cubs are two out of the top wild card. They're firmly in that second wild card. They're just a game and a half actually behind uh, Philadelphia for the top spot. So they're throwing this guy into the fire right now. Do you have expectations for him?
1: Uh, I, I don't really have expectations for him. I think the, the Cubs are kind of doing a little trial by fire here and just maybe seeing what he, what he has. I mean, You're hoping it's not too high pressure for him and he doesn't, you know, choke under the, uh, you know, under, I guess what they're asking of him, because I'm assuming Cubs fans, you know, wanted to come in and do really, really well, but it's just wait and see kind of thing. But I think the Cubs kind of need him. Yeah, they definitely, it's definitely going to be a good
0: addition. I don't believe he's eligible for a postseason roster, though. There's a lot of interesting and intricate parts to that rule because if he's up due to an injury and since he was with the organization before September 1st, he could be eligible. But if they don't make an injury designation to somebody else, he's ineligible. It's very odd stuff that, you know, we'll go over more in detail once these playoff rosters are made and we have to kind of talk through these type of roster construction moves. Now, couple UCL injuries and we all know as baseball fans UCL synonymous with two other letters that's TJ Tommy John with the most important guy designated with a UCL injury we're gonna go Felix Bautista the star reliever for the Orioles who are big pennant race looking to be a mm-hmm. world series you know contender he's got a partial UCL tear he's been out a couple weeks but he's hopeful to pitch again this year and that's obviously with some rest, some rehab. He doesn't have to get reconstruction surgery, at least not now. That might be something he puts off until the offseason. But it's going to be interesting to see how useful and you know how well he can pitch with this type of injury. But then on the flip side, a team not really in contention for anything that brought up the young kids. You have the Yankees with their star center fielder, their 20-year-old prospect, Jason Dominguez, the Martian. He came up, he saw the Astros, he conquered, and he left us. Full UCL tear. Felt a little pain on Sunday during his third career game against the Astros last week. Didn't say anything to the Yankees until Wednesday in their finale against the Tigers. And then, you know, the Yankees decided Sunday this past week, when they were finishing up their series against the Brewers to, you know, end his season. They scratched him from – they thought it was just soreness. Turned out it was more. The timing sucks. He's going to be out into 2024 now. What was promising debut just turned into just dust in our hands. But, John, you know, Bryce Harper, he tore his UCL and got Tommy John right after the World Series, right? Yeah. So what was that like when you first found out that he was playing with it and then, like – How was that rehab? Because he rehabbed up on the major league team, basically. What did he look like, in your mind, the first, you know, month or so before he really got going?
1: And how long did it take for him to get back to normal? Well, I mean, obviously, when he came up, you you can tell he didn't have the power he had before the injury. Like, he just wasn't hitting the home runs. He was hitting for average. Like, he was still hitting the ball, but it just – there was no power behind it. And it took him – I mean, it took him. It took him up until probably about a month ago for him to start hitting homers again and get the power back finally. So it it seems like the injury didn't set him back that far, and I expect him to be, you know, back to you know, hundred percent Bryce Harper next year. But I think his days in right field are over because it took him. He even though he was up hitting earlier in the season, it took him a while to be out in the field again and playing. And he made the move to first base, obviously i think after that i think after the surgery i think um i think he can't make that you know the long throw from right field to home and you don't obviously don't want him getting hurt again and aggravating an injury so i mean with the you might be looking at something similar where you know comes back and hits for a while but it might be a while till you see him back in the field and he might be making a position change he might be playing maybe up in the infield somewhere or dh and
0: yeah, definitely not something that's even feasible for the Yankees to have. He's 20 years old. I think Harper, though, was also a good story because you had Reese Hoskins injury. If Reese Hoskins was here this whole year, Harper definitely wouldn't be at first base. He'd be probably DHing more. I'm sure we'll see him in right field next year. They're just trying to take it easy with them now. But you have a mixed bag when it comes to position players and Tommy John, Glaber Torres of the Yankees. He got Tommy John the year before he debuted. He tore his UCL sliding into home plate. He came up, tore the cover off the ball, had no power loss. You know, that was a year after he tore it. You have guys like Travis Darno, who was a catcher. He he showed all the promise he had as a prospect after the Tommy John. He was kind of iffy. You didn't know what he was. Then he gets Tommy John, and he starts playing really well. But guys like Salvador Perez missed 18 months Just, you don't know what it is. There's lots of outliers. Didi Gregorius, we both know him well from our teams. He got Tommy John and was never the same. So it's tough. Dominguez being so young and his body still developing at that, it's going to be tough to see what happens. I don't anticipate we see him in the majors until the end of next season, but that's not to say he won't be playing. He'll be in the minors rehabbing and rehabbing, because why rush him at that point? Yeah. You know, he's 20 years old. He'll be 21 next year. The going rate for a position player is about nine to 10 months, I believe. Harper came back in five. But he had the full offseason, and timing is also important. If Dominguez gets a surgery now, that puts him on track to, at least on the generic timetable, be back in June, maybe the all-star break. But if he, you know, works hard like Harper and is a dog, He could be back opening day and then DHing, which is tough because the Yankees don't have an open DH spot, but he should hopefully be able to get back to playing the field sooner than later, and luckily for him, one of his biggest attributes, not only his power, but he's got such an incredible eye at the plate, so he'll be able to work a lot of counts, and if he's not going to hit for average, which he doesn't always do, he'll still be able to get on base and help out a team. So, Dominguez, it sucks, but it is what it is, and hopefully he gets better soon. But let's get into talking to some, uh, some postseason races, right? So in the American League, Baltimore's got the one spot right now. They're leading their division. Houston's leading the West. Minnesota's leading the Central. That's one, two, and three. The wild card, though, you get three wild card teams. Tampa Bay has the first wild card, and they are up seven and a half games on Toronto, who's got the second spot. Toronto is up one game on Seattle. So, again, your wild card teams, Tampa, Toronto, Seattle, that is the four, five, and six seeds. But you got two teams waiting in the wings. The Rangers are only a half game out of a, that third wildcard spot. And, you know, Boston is six out. Now, it, it's tough to take six games out at this point seriously, but it's still there to mention that Boston is there six games out. John, at this rate, what do you see shaking out? Is there any teams that are even further out you can see going on a run? Does Boston have it in them? Or uh, is this kind of how things are going to stay?
1: I feel like for the most part, the divisions are going to stay the same. I think you're going to see, you know, Orioles at the top, the Twins stay at the top, and I think the Astros are going to stay at the top there. I don't think that's going to get shaken up too much. But the wild card, I mean, I feel like the Rays are gonna stay there. I feel like the Blue Jays probably could hold it there. Maybe the Mar- and the Mariners, I think it's almost that, but I think really it's it's what the Rangers are gonna do. That that's the big question mark here out of the big thing. Cause I mean the Red Sox, they're they're there, but I don't think it's like I don't know if you want to really take them seriously, but yeah. you can still talk about them. But I, I think the biggest part is is if the Rangers can get it together. And then it's if the Rangers do get it together, which team falls out? The Blue Jays or the Mariners?
0: Right. Not to mention, though, there's also that division race. So just looking at that AL West, Houston's up three games on Texas. And Texas is in third. Houston's up two and a half on the Astros. So three games separate, you know, the third place team from the first place team. So you don't only have the wild card race to look at. You also have the divisional race as well.
1: So I guess you I mean if the Rangers get it together, I mean they can if, if uh, Houston, I mean obviously cools off and slows down a bit. I mean they guess yeah. they can very easily take that division spot, and then you're looking at the Astros in the wild card race. But then again, it's just like who gets knocked out? Is it the right. the Blue Jays or the man? You know?
0: Yeah. Who Who's going to be the short end? Who's, who's they,
1: getting the short end there?
0: Yeah. You also have a race in the AL East, and it's you know kind of surprising. Baltimore is only three up on Tampa for the division lead. Toronto, that other playoff team we mentioned, they're 10 and a half out of the division. I think we can kind of write them off. Yeah. That divisional race at least, but could Tampa overtake Baltimore? They're only a three-game difference.
1: I, You know, it's hard to say. I mean, like, I, you almost feel like at this point in the in the season, like, three games just feels like kind of a lot. They compared... do play
0: four against each other before the season's up.
1: Well, I guess that, that series is probably going to decide who's going to take the division there. Yeah. So, I mean, a sweep from either team pretty much, I think, clinches that.
0: Yeah, guarantees a flip. And we'll talk a little bit more about the tiebreakers and all that in a little bit. But on the National League side, Atlanta, the Dodgers, and Milwaukee are leading their divisions. Atlanta, 16 games up on the Phillies, no contest there. Milwaukee, three up on the Cubs, six and a half up on the Reds. It should be Milwaukee's to lose, but, you know, there are still some question marks left in the NL Central. Then in the West, the Dodgers are 13 up on Arizona. Arizona was a nice story leading the division as late as they did, but, you know, nothing there. Wild card-wise, though, yeah, Philadelphia in the first wild card spot. The Cubs in the second. Only a game and a half separate them. Then Arizona in the final wild card spot they are two games back of the Cubs. But you have three other teams vying for that wild card. Miami, a half game back of Arizona. San Fran, a game and a half back. And Cincinnati, a game and a half back. So you got three teams, really four if you're going to call Arizona-Miami tie, that's a half game difference that are going right there. We don't really know what the protocol here is because a lot of these teams play each other. It's going to be interesting. Who do you see coming away with this right now?
1: Well, I feel it's obvious that I mean Braves win in the East. Dodgers are gonna win the West. That's easy. The Central is the biggest question mark because that can go either way. I think it's either gonna be the Brewers, it's or it's gonna be the Cubs. Like you said, it's the Brewers to lose. But who's ever you know gonna be second at the division? Yeah. I think is a shoe in for the wild card. So in the wild card, you're either looking at the Cubs or the Brewers. I think I'll agree it's to that one. be one of those teams. Now the third wild card spot. I, I you can take as many guesses because I feel like just like out of those out of the, like out of the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, the Giants, and the Reds, and I feel like you'd have pretty about an even chance of being correct for anyone you pick.
0: Yeah, it's a throw a dart at the board, right? Yeah. So let's go over some tiebreakers. Let's kind of where we are at now. These are what the tiebreakers are. Arizona, if them and Miami ended up tied for a wild card spot. Arizona has a better intra division record. Now, when it comes to these wild card games, they don't go head to head. They go intra division, meaning how you played against your own division. And Arizona's got a much better intra division record than Miami. Arizona would end up with that nod. Dodgers own the tiebreaker over Milwaukee based on their intra division. It's not even closer. I believe that also is their head to head. Dodgers own that as well. And the same thing, the Braves own their tiebreaker over the Dodgers. So the Dodgers and Braves, you kind of know what's going on with them. But going to the American League side of things, you get a little bit more question. Texas, they're 23-19 in the intra-division. They would have a worse record in that than Baltimore, who's 28-16. So if Texas and Baltimore tied for a wild card spot, spot, as we stand now, Baltimore would have that edge over Texas and Seattle, they have the best intra-division record of any team. So if Seattle's got a tie for any wildcard spot, Seattle would right now automatically win it because they have the best intra-division record in all of the American League. Toronto, they got a 12-25 and intra-division record. They got one of the worst ones of all these playoff teams. They would lose to everybody virtually, so they are kind of hoping that they have a spot without a tie. The Rays, they're 24-16 and intra-division. But that puts them slightly behind Houston. So if the Rays in Houston ended up tied at the end of the year, Houston would get the nod right now over the Rays. But obviously there's more intra-division games happening, but that's kind of where we're at now. And there's only a couple more weeks left, so you kind of – this isn't, you know, useless information. This is kind of where you start to formulate all these playoff scenarios and possibilities. Now, the American League East, the real close – but probably the one of the closest you know races that you didn't think that was that close, The Orioles, they host Tampa Bay for four games. To win that division, Orioles would need to get one more win to clinch the head to head tiebreaker over Tampa. They just need to go one and three in those four games. So a sweep for Tampa would be huge because that would swing the pendulum the other way, or Tampa would now have the tiebreaker over Baltimore. And if that's the case here, there's, uh, there's some interesting stuff going down. But, you know, let's enough of the playoffs, enough of all that talk. There's plenty more for that in the coming weeks. Let's get into studs and duds. I know, John, this is your favorite segment. For me, my stud, I'm going to go Cubs starting pitcher Justin Steele. In 15 innings, he went 1-0, and gave up eight hits, one earned run, two walks, and had 18 strikeouts. Just a dominating performance over his two starts. But my dud kind of was the opposite. Jesse Schultons, the White Sox starter reliever, does a little both for them. Eight and two-thirds of an inning, 0-2, 17 hits, three walks, five strikeouts, eight earned runs. Just a truly terrible uh, week for him. And, you know, I always like to single out these pitchers when we do this because these guys don't get enough love. And if we're not going to show them love, might as well show them something. Cause
1: bad press is still press, right? All yeah, press any is press. If you're in, if you're there, any publicity is good publicity. Exactly, that's, that's, that's the thing. So get him out there. But who do you guys? Your stud and who's your dud? Well, my stud is one one of my players, one of my favorite players this season. He helped me uh, clinch a spot in the playoffs against the uh, UN Fantasy last Ooh. week. Ooh. You know, Arizona's pitcher, Zach Gallen, he he pitched a complete game shutout went the full nine innings, got the win. Ben's janky rules. <laughs> he, g- he gave up three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. But it, just an absolute gem of a game. And it, it's nice to see because he struggled. He had, a, he had a few starts prior. He was struggling a little bit. So it's nice to see him bounce back. And I'm sure... Dimebacks fans are, not, are happy to see him bounce back, you know, just in time for, you know, for like around the, around the playoffs. So hopefully he just keeps going. And then my, my dud is Max Scherzer and possibly just the whole Texas Ranger team. Like they have just been absolutely horrendous, especially Max Scherzer, especially their pitching. Max Scherzer only went three innings, got the loss, gave up six hits, seven earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Gave up three. He gave up, you know, three of those hits were home run. Three, three of those hits were home runs, and one of them was a grand slam. And I believe the other pitcher, John Gray, only was able to pitch, I think, like two and a half innings. So I mean, the Rangers are just—they've been so bad lately. I don't even know what to say. Started off so well, and then just—I even had him peg the to come back and win the, the division. I don't even know. I, I feel like I may have been dead wrong. I I think that's looking like you were. Take just, the thing. I was wrong.
0: It's tough to admit you're wrong too, but like they just cannot hold it together. But now let's go into our weekly series highlight. John, what's that one series that you
1: wanna kind of look at if we're keeping with this theme here? Well, sticking with the the Rangers theme kind of here, I'm going with uh, Texas at Toronto, which is a really really important game for the wild card and just in general for the playoffs deciding who's going to be in it i mean if the rangers have any hopes of even making the playoffs or getting a wild card like they they need to they really need to win this series against toronto and if toronto and toronto needs to win the series too because this is a very very important series so i guess we'll see if the rangers can get it back together again i think they, they they were able to win their last game barely but uh, this if they see if they can turn it around against toronto
0: yeah for me i got make a break time for seattle seattle hosts the dodgers a little west coast action over there dodgers firmly in the playoffs firmly a world series contender probably the number two team behind the braves and that's by a wide margin in the national league seattle's fighting for their playoff lives they got the rangers still creeping there we talked about some other things going on in the wild card. They have the division. They want the division right there. They're going to have to win games and they're going to have to beat good teams. And the Dodgers are one of those teams. If Seattle wants to seriously think that they could be world series contenders, let alone just division contenders, because once you get to the playoffs, everybody's thinking the same thing. We want a chip. We want to hold that commissioner's trophy prove to Rob Manfred, you know, Hey, this is not a hunk of junk. So, they got to beat these teams and the Dodgers are probably the best team they have left on their schedule because the Dodgers are a better team than the Astros than the Rangers. They just want anybody Seattle can face outside of the Braves or the Orioles. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup to see if Seattle can hold on to that and win a couple games against a really good team, but that'll do it for us here for the outsider sports baseball podcast. Check out our stuff online, outsidersports.net. Twitter, Outsider Sports 3. Got a lot of good football stuff going on. Season's in full action now. My Giants are dead to me. YouTube, TikTok, just search up Outsider Sports. You'll be seeing a lot of stuff too. Just keep it tuning in. Hockey starting up soon. Going to get a lot of stuff going now that a lot of the, all the other major sports are in the way. Baseball was able to carry the brunt through over the summer. But, you know, they're going to lighten our load a little bit. Just a lot of stuff coming on where... A lot of good people doing a lot of good things. So, Corey Jason, John Pauline, till next week.